you have a Bible, if you'd open to Psalm 19 with me. We're going to begin our gathering this morning just by relishing in the scriptures. If you'll stand, if you can, if not, that's fine. Um, In the honor of the reading of God's word. It'll also be up here on the screen. I don't know what your week has been like, but let's just... Let's just exist in this psalm this morning. Let's just live in it. Let's just hear the words of God and just be overjoyed simply because God has spoken this word to us. Psalm 19 is written by King David. He says this. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. Well, good morning, White Oak. It's a great day to be with you. Thank you for joining us before we get pounded by what seems to be another storm heading our way. We had a wonderful wedding in here last night, and so I feel compelled just to share with you some of the the beauty and just everything that happened. It was a wonderful event. This place was decked out in all of its glory. We got to... um, witnessed the wedding of both Shane and Alex, a, a couple that we've walked with here for a very, very long time. And it's, it's weird to get to the age when people are getting married and um, it's just like a sickness that overcomes people and people feel the need to get married for whatever reason. And so uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful evening. And I got a few pictures up here that I want to show you. This is the actual wedding. Um, it was beautiful. They had this like green, like I don't even know what it was, like an ivy, fake ivy wall. And so it was a really cool prop on the stage. So it was wonderful. We have another picture up here. This is uh, Lindsay and Keith sitting here. And so I, I was able to take this picture. It was fine dining, to say the least. The next picture. We had a photo booth. And so uh, we got Blanca, Sharon, Marisa, Carmela. They uh, were doing their wedding thing. Got another picture. Some of the younger folks uh, taking advantage of the smile booth. Next picture. 
This is uh, Anna and uh, beautiful baby Miriam taking pictures together. This was the one we got where she was smiling the most, and so we were thankful to get that. This is Justin and Janelle kissing, um, about to welcome a baby into the world. And we have one more, my favorite. Uh, This is uh, Dolores and uh, Pat Aiden. They didn't know I took this, nor that I was going to show it on Sunday morning, but I'm doing it. So... um, They got the photo booth warmed up for all of us, and so we were very, very appreciative for that. Uh, And if uh, if you were not here last week, uh, let me introduce you to Summer in the Psalms. Let me welcome you to this time together. Uh, We're taking the summer like we did last summer to learn how to pray. Um, I don't need a statistic to say that most of us probably struggle in praying to God. Uh, A personal prayer life is not something that we're strong with, especially in the Baptist church. It's not usually considered our forte. And so we thought that it would be good to take some time in the summer to to think about this together. And if uh, you've been going through the book with us, Why We Pray, um, if you need a book, they're available in the coffee shop. Um, We're going through it together. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about the first chapter and relate it to Psalm 19. But I want you to know that every week I am reading that book with you and I'm learning with you. I I am not um, perfect in prayer myself, uh, which is why when I get up here and preach to you, I rely on the gospel and what Christ has done for me and not on my uh, wisdom on how to pray perfectly. But by the grace of God, I can say this, that the past couple years of my own life, I have seen growth primarily because... We have focused during these times and we've read through the Psalms and we've read books together and we've held prayer gatherings and we've challenged each other in godliness. And so by God's grace, I believe you have the opportunity this summer to grow in prayer. And the most amazing thing about prayer, I think, that that probably we always overlook. And if you read the book, uh, the first chapter this week, uh, you know a little bit about what I'm going to talk about. But the first component of prayer actually has nothing to do with you or me. The first component of prayer has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with you getting on your knees and praying. It has nothing to do with you walking to the prayer room. It has nothing to do with you or me whatsoever. You see, prayer begins because God has spoken to us. You serve a God who speaks, and you say, I know that, but think about that. Why does that even have to be so? God speaks, Scripture says. Genesis 1, it says that God spoke, and the world came to be. It says that God spoke, let there be light, that those words came from his mouth, and then there was light. Before we were here, God was speaking and he was creating. You see, every time God speaks, something is created. And the same with you. Every time that you speak, something is created. When you speak, you can create love or you can create hate. You can create unity or you can create disunity simply by the words that come from your mouth. Your mouth can build me up by the things you say or it can tear me down. And God creates simply through speaking. And in all of God's glory, he is a God who literally looks to you and looks to me and looks to creation, and he speaks. You see, God speaks, and then prayer starts. 
We talk a lot about prayer, but we don't talk a lot about God's voice in prayer. And the reason why God's voice is so important in prayer is because nobody likes talking to themselves, amen? No one likes doing that, okay? Sometimes it's acceptable in the car, right, or if you've had a bad day or something, you're trying to rehearse through your emotions or your feelings. But in general, no one likes to sit down and have a conversation by themselves. No one goes to Starbucks by themselves to have a conversation at a table at Starbucks. You got to bring somebody with you or it's really, really weird. And the same thing with God. If we don't hear God's voice and we sit down and we try to pray, it's like this one-way conversation. It eventually falls dry. And I believe that most of us struggle to pray because we struggle to hear the voice of God. And yet what I want you to know this morning, this is the main idea. We pray because God speaks to us. We pray because God speaks to us. How amazing is this that the God of the universe who spoke light into existence communicates to you and to me. The same way we believe the gospel to be true, that it is God who saves us, that it is God who came down for us, that it is God who is our righteousness. You don't have to be perfect in this life. You just have to know the one who is perfect that God sent Jesus to save us. We didn't work for it. We couldn't keep the law. We couldn't be good enough. But God loved us enough, and so he sent his son, and by that we are saved. It's the same way with gospel-centered prayer, where God is the one who speaks, and we simply respond to his spoken word to us. And yet I think oftentimes we don't get or we don't hear the voice of God because we're trying to make God in our image. And so I'm excited about this morning because I'm going to answer a huge question that I think most of us have about prayer. And then I'm going to tell you exactly where you find God's voice. But before we do that, I want to reference this article. I saw it on CNN. And so not a Christian article, not like from Christianity Today or the Gospel Coalition or anything like that. I saw a CNN article that caught my eye. You probably didn't see it. But it was entitled, If You Hear God Audibly you usually aren't crazy. That was the title of the article. If you hear God's voice, you usually aren't crazy. And so I said, I gotta read this, right? I gotta hear this, right? From CNN. And the, uh, the author was making this argument. And uh, they took a study and they said that they found that 23% of Americans, 23%, okay, of like how many? 400 million people. 23% of that many people claim that they have heard a voice from God or seen a vision as a result of personal prayer. 23% of Americans say that they have heard either God's voice in prayer or a vision as a result of personal prayer. And the claim that the author makes, which is a claim that's been made before, is that people that have claimed to heard God's voice, it's far too frequent and it happens in far too many different diverse settings. So it happens in countries all across the world, to the rich, to the poor, to different ethnicities, to tons of people, that if, if any kind of, if anybody would deny the reality that God speaks, you would have to overlook so much data and so much personal experience that it would not even be true to science, was the case that the author made. That the voice of God is one of the most ununderstandable things in our existence. We can look at science and nature and all these things, but for some reason, we can't put the science behind why people hear God's voice. It, everybody hears it. Not everybody, but a lot of people hear it. And it's like amazing that God speaks to his people. 
And King David talks about this in Psalm 19. In Psalm 19, it will make no sense to you. It will seem like a random, sporadic psalm, like verses 1 through 6 and 7 through 11 are extremely different. We read it this morning. It seems like a harsh turn. And yet what people say is, if you don't understand the reality that David is celebrating God's revelation of himself to us, the psalm will make absolutely no sense to you. If you look at the psalm and you don't understand the central theme that David is celebrating that God has spoken to him, that God has revealed himself to him, it won't make any sense. In verses 1 through 6, David says this, that God's voice is present in creation. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The heavens speak to God and God speaks to us through the heavens. We get a little insight into God's glory simply because of how beautiful the mountains look and how amazing the skies look. I went to the ocean about a week or two ago and it blows me away that like if I was not so used to the sky, it would amaze me. Like the clouds and, and the way that the, the sun comes down and the, the beauty of it, it, it almost looks otherworldly and yet we're, we're so used to this beauty that we lose the awe and we lose the wonder of it. And yet David says that the skies proclaim the glory of God. They declare that God is glorious. That God, and, but here's the thing David says, it's David actually hears this. It's not just that the skies proclaim it, but it's that David hears it. We get to hear the skies and the oceans and the stars. We get to hear them as they worship God. And then he moves verses 7 through 11, saying that God's voice is revealed to us and good to us. In Israel, the law was God's commandments that he gave to his people. He said, if you want to be holy, if you want to live right, if you want to be in covenant with me, if you want to know the creator of the universe, this is how you should live. But the primary way that Israel viewed the law was as God's voice. They had heard God's voice. God had revealed to them how to live. He had revealed to Moses and other leaders the law and the prophets, and he said, this is how you should live. They, they had heard God's voice, and they, they worshiped this. They adored this, and they tried their best to live it out. David says, the, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. He says the commandment, meaning it's, it's written, but God has communicated it to us. In verse 11, he says, Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping the commandments, there is great reward. To warn somebody is a form of communication. And by reading the law, David has this sense that God has spoken to him. And the reason why David was probably like the best prayer of all time is because David sought out the voice of God constantly. I don't think David mastered the discipline of prayer. I think David listened for the voice of God. Every time you open this Bible, God speaks. And we often are wanting a word from God, and yet we haven't read the first billion words that he's given us. You see, David hears the voice of God, and he responds in prayer. And so Psalm 19 says that God speaks to us. But why do we often struggle to hear his voice? 
raise your hand if you've ever struggled to hear God's voice and you felt like it was silent or it wasn't even there or there was a dry season. Maybe you're in that this morning. And in reading this and meditating on it this week, I just felt like God just gave me such a powerful word about this. I hope that this encourages you because I think we forget it and yet when I'm reading this, it just makes so much sense. Whenever you feel like God is silent, whenever the night is dark in your spiritual life, whenever you feel flooded by the storms of life and you're, you're searching for the voice of God and you just wish that it would ring out and you're, you're wanting to hear it and you're desperate for it and it just seems not really like it's coming through, like maybe you're tuned into the wrong channel or something or, or maybe you're thinking I've just got so much sin in my life, maybe that's why, and, and you're, you're going through this list of all the reasons why God's not talking to you, I, I think we forget this and I want you to hear this this morning. Never forget that God speaks in far more glorious ways than we do. God speaks in far more glorious ways than we do. You see, here's the thing with God. You cannot understand God if you keep thinking small. If you think on human terms, you'll never understand God because he is glorious and he is amazing. He is big. He is, he's not like you. He's perfectly loving and he's perfectly good. He does everything right. He, like James said, if the skies are so beautiful and God created that, how beautiful must he then be? I, I love aesthetic beauty. I love this building. And yet it's like nothing compared to the beauty of God. The beauty of God is, is so far beyond anything that we can comprehend or imagine. And the way that God communicates to his people is far better than the way you or I communicate to people. You see, our primary mode of, of uh, communication is audible communication, meaning I'm talking right now and you hear the audible sound of my voice. And because of the language, English, which we all share, we have agreed that certain words have certain meanings. And so I'm streaming these words together and I'm communicating a message to from my heart to yours. But think about it, really what I'm communicating is my heart to your heart. Really, at the core of everything that I'm doing, I, I am communicating a feeling, emotion, a truth, and I'm using audible communication to do this. It's our primary means of commu communication as humans. And yet God, it says in Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are, are better than ours. He says, God does things far more glorious than you or I do. If you think me communicating to you through my mouth is cool, imagine if I could communicate to you through the mountains. How amazing would that be? Imagine if I could communicate to you through the skies, through the ocean. Imagine if I could communicate straight to your heart in the silence. Humanity is, is constantly trying to move towards telepathic communication to where you can understand me and I don't even have to say a word. And I believe that God speaks audibly and yet King David doesn't need to hear the audible voice of God to actually hear the voice of God because God communicates in far more glorious ways than we do, though at times he does communicate audibly. I mean, the world as we know it is changing. The internet has forever changed communication. I'll, I'll occasionally read an article and it'll talk about how, and you've probably never even thought about this, that actually audible communication in society is decreasing. And, and they believe, it's a hypothesis, there's no way to know this, but that eventually 
we might become so advanced that we might not even communicate with our mouths. Because if we could learn to communicate telepathically or in other ways, why would we need to speak? We installed Wi-Fi in this building this week. I don't know if they built, when they built this in 1959, if they thought that Wi-Fi was going to be installed. They probably did not think that. If they did, that'd be pretty amazing because it wasn't invented yet. So you can, why don't guest, password is the gospel, all lowercase, one word, the gospel. And they say that via the internet and text, and think about this, via the internet and text messaging, imagine how much less we communicate audibly today. Think of every text message you've ever sent, every email you've ever sent. And if you were to have communicated that 20 years ago, you would have had to have called somebody and spoken those words. Think of how much already communication has ceased. They, they, they're, Occasionally I read like, like, like futuristic stuff and they say that maybe eventually um, we'll have computers that are somehow able to read our thoughts and then communicate to people and so we can just look at each other and communicate. It's crazy stuff. Handwriting is almost no more. I, I have to admit it. Like I, whenever I'm forced to handwrite something, like I almost can't even do it. I was raised in elementary school before like internet and all that stuff was really big and we would learn how to handwrite. We learned cursive back in the day. I don't know if they still teach cursive anymore, right? But we used cursive because that's the way a lot of people communicated. And yet as an adult, I almost never write anything via hand anymore. Communication is changing. Communication takes many forms. And yet the problem is with God, we want to hear his voice and yet we're like stuck on like, I want to hear him audibly and I hear it all the time. I want to hear his voice. If God would just tell me, if he would just speak to me, if I could just audibly hear it booming from the sky, then I would obey. And yet God says, I communicate in that way, but I communicate through scripture, through the church community. I communicate through the ocean, through the stars, through the sky. I communicate in far more glorious ways than mere humans do. And the problem is we keep trying to make God in our image. We keep wanting God to communicate like us, and yet God wants us to communicate like him through prayer in response to his spoken word to us. We keep wanting God to be like us when we should be trying to be like him. You see, David heard God everywhere. When David walked out his front door, I don't know if he had a front door, but when he walked out, he was looking for God. You can tell the guy is just anxious to hear the voice of God, and therefore he responds to God's voice to him in prayer. And this is the, the critical component of prayer, is we say it's a conversation, and yet we pray and we never stop to listen to the voice of God. David says, by your commandments, your servant is warned, meaning I, I can avoid the pitfalls of life because you have communicated to me. I'm not waiting for this audible voice. I hear you all around. So God speaks. God communicates in ways far more glorious than us. And I want to give you four practical ways in which God communicates radiantly 
vibrantly. If you look in these four places, you will find the voice of God ringing out so loud, and it will give you all of the encouragement you need to live a life of godliness. Where do we find the voice? The first one is this. We find God's voice in creation. We find God's voice in creation. Everything that's created has been touched by God. In Psalm 8, it talks about how God's fingerprints are on the earth and the heavens and the stars. Everything that's here originated from God, specifically through Christ. In Colossians, it says that everything was created by him, through him, and for him, that like the handiwork of Jesus is everywhere emotionally and physically, everything that we experience, everything that we encounter has originated from God. You know, every person, I don't care what you believe, when you get out in nature, in creation, or or even in urban areas, I find God's voice in urban areas all the time. When people are gathered together downtown, there's something beautiful about that because God has created this and I I sense the brokenness and I sense the sin, but I also, in that, I, I sense the goodness that God created there originally. As I'm speaking, as you're in this building, as you're going out today, as it's raining, as it's probably going to do today, I hope you have an umbrella, like God is speaking to us. It's not special revelation, Just, just by knowing God speaks is not enough for salvation, but you can know about God simply through looking at the sun. Once again, the sun is so amazing and we take it for granted because it's been there every day of our life, but like look up statistics on how big the sun is. And how hot the sun is. God speaks through those things. Number two is this. We find God's voice in the Bible. We often call the Bible the word of God. God spoke to men. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got this. Men were listening for the voice of God. They heard the voice of God. They wrote down the voice of God. And now you and I, through the Bible, have the voice of God. In the 300s, the Bible came to to be officially canonized, meaning that Um, There was a lot of false teaching and and uh, false uh, ideas going out about Jesus and different things. And so they felt the need to come together to pray and determine which books of the Bible were specifically inspired by God. And that's how you got this book right here. And the amazing thing about it was that happened, what, 17, 1800 years ago. And to this day, it is still way more than we need. God moved through the authors of these books. Forty different authors over a thousand different years, written across three different continents. People all over were hearing the voice of God and they were writing it down. And just as powerful as it was when it came from God to Isaiah, is it when you read the words of Isaiah, it's just as powerful, it's still the voice of God. When you open the Bible, you hear God's voice, you hear his truth, and it is powerful and it will change your life. You find the voice of God in creation, but you also find it in Scripture. This is God's revelation of himself to us. We go here every week because it is here where Christ is most clearly identified for us. The Bible tells us the problem with sin and error. 
But God's word reveals salvation through Jesus Christ, simply through faith in Christ, that God would give us Christ's righteousness and his sacrifice on the cross. I mean, this psalm we read this morning was written over 3,000 years ago. And we're reading it today. Over 3,000 years ago, God spoke through David. Because when God speaks, the word goes out to all creation. And maybe 6,000 years, depending on where humanity is at at that point, they'll probably still be reading the same psalm. Number three, we find God's voice in the church community. Whenever you come to church, we, we open the Bible. We point you to things like nature. We encourage you to pray. We're two or more gathered. Christ is among us. That's a, that's a way of expressing that God dwells in a kind of like a, a unique way within the church community. When we sing songs together as a church, it's just special. I love singing How Great Is Our God in my car. Actually, I don't, but um, it's one thing to sing a worship song in your car by yourself, but when you get in a room with all these people and we're singing those songs together, like I, I Need Thee Every Hour is like one of my favorite songs, and there's just something special when I'm singing it, and I hear James Dale singing right next to me, and he's got a great voice, and I love hearing it. I heard Justin too, great voice. Good job, you too, Janelle. That sounded great this morning. There's just something special about all of our different voices coming together, and there's just something powerful. The Spirit dwells powerfully in the assembly of the God we find God's voice in the church community we find it when we get together we find it when we realize that we've been adopted into a family by the blood of Jesus Christ we find God's voice in this place I hope that at least some of what I'm saying is truly the voice of God and you're receiving it this morning and you're thinking about it and you're hearing it God speaks to the church we find God's voice in creation, we find it in the Bible, we find it in church, community. And this is the last one I want to talk about, and this is the most important one, I think. I mean, they're all important, but this is the one that we're talking about this summer. We find God's voice in personal prayer. And this is the hardest one. If you've been reading along with us in our um, summer Bible reading, um, a few days back, we read Mark 1, 35 through 37. And uh, it's talking about Jesus at the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark. And it says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everybody is looking for you. Ever felt that way in prayer? Like you're trying to pray and the kids are looking for you, right? You're trying to pray and your boss is looking for you. Trying to pray and your wife, the 10 million text messages on your phone, the people are looking for you. You're just trying to pray. You're just trying to get away, just try to spend some time with God. And it feels like the world, it feels like your to-do list is looking for you. And yet Jesus had to get away from the disciples into a desolate place in order to pray. So God of the universe, so Christ, the Son of God, 
Even he believes that he must get into a desolate place in order to talk to the Father. If prayer is an essential thing for Jesus, who was God, imagine how essential it is for us who are not God. Jesus modeled prayer for us in Luke chapter 6. He showed his disciples how to pray. Jesus told his disciples how to pray. And I believe, and this is why we do this thing the whole summer, personal prayer is maybe like the biggest dividing line of spiritual growth. We are saved solely by the gospel. We're not saved because we pray, because we're moral. We're saved by Christ's works, not ours. But once we are saved and once we are living in the gospel, prayer and personal prayer is like the great dividing line of spiritual maturity. And yet, so often in the church, we struggle with it. We don't do it. We feel like we're horrible at it. Uh, I'm, I'm there with you. Like, you ever prayed, and your, your mind just wanders, and it won't stop wandering. And, and, and like, when I pray on weekdays, like, all I can think about, it's so hard because my mind keeps wandering to my to-do list and everything I have to do. I finally get a couple minutes of silence and somebody calls me or, or texts me or I remember something I have to do and it consumes my mind. And this is why when you pray, I always encourage you to, to read scripture because when you hear the voice of God, personal prayer becomes a response and not a ritual. becomes a response and not a ritual. People wonder how come Bible reading and prayer go together and the reason Tim Keller said this, wrote a book on prayer, he said that uh, the average human will speak to somebody roughly as much as they've been spoken to. Common sense. He said the same thing in scripture with your prayer life. The more you read of God's word, the more you'll pray. The less you read of it, the less you'll pray. There's, it's almost like a perfect, you know, comparison. Nobody wants to be the person that talks somebody's ear off. And some of us, we've just been talking God's ear off the whole time. We're not listening to his voice, but we keep talking and talking and talking and talking, right? Supposed to be conversation, right? Like, it's like, you know, if, if, if you have a relationship with somebody and you do like 90% of the talking, that's not a good sign, right? And yet when I read Psalm 19 and I hear David personally praying to God, I feel like he seeks out God's voice, he hears and he prays. He seeks out God's voice, he hears it and he prays. He looks to the skies and then he prays. He, he reads the law, he reads the scriptures and then he prays and then he responds. David's prayer begins when God's voice comes to him. And what I would encourage you to do this week is to be listening for the voice of God and to pray. And I know we like to pray, you know, like, like I try to pray from I've got like a 10-minute car ride I'm going to pray. And, and I think those things are great, but I, I think there's something for like really getting away, really getting quiet, really focusing, and really praying to God. I'll close with a story. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, was once asked by somebody how he, this is before he was assassinated, how he was able to find the strength to do everything he did. Uh, what he went through and the, the trials and 
the danger and the, the, the schedule and all the tension was just so unbearable. And somebody once asked him how he was able to do it. And he told them about this, this event that happened in his life. And it was winter of 1956, and this was right when the civil rights movement was really beginning to ramp up, and he was really beginning to feel the pressure of everything. Um, he was at that crossroads where he realized that if he was really going to be a, a spokesman for the civil rights movement um, in the winter of 1956, he realized that it was going to cost him and his family a lot. And they said the pressure began to well up in him to the point where like he would be paralyzed at times because he was so anxious, he was so worried, he was so distraught, and he was realizing what he was facing in his life. And he said there was one night, it was a cold winter night, and he was trying to sleep before he had a big event the next day. And he was laying there in bed and he said he was so overtaken by anxiety that he said sleep was absolutely impossible even though he was exhausted. Have you ever been through that? Like you can't sleep even though you're exhausted just because you're worrying about stuff. And so he was like laying in bed and he couldn't sleep and so eventually he just gives up and he, he gets up and he walks to the kitchen and he sits down at his kitchen table. And he said at that time in his life he had been a, a reverend but he wasn't in a good place spiritually. He was really struggling. He, he said he felt very distant from God. He had not heard God's voice and Um, he's sitting at the table, literally just paralyzed, not knowing what to do. And being in a horrible place spiritually, I love this because it shows that God's voice is, is, is never dependent upon how holy we are. Because God gives because God is good. God initiates, God comes to us, right? Not because we earn it, but because he loves us. And he's praying at his, at his kitchen table and he says, God, I just don't know what to do. Jesus, will you help me? And he says that he heard the voice of Jesus. And it said five simple words. He said, Jesus spoke to him saying, I will be with you. It was one of like those audible, but like in his head kind of things. And Martin Luther King said it was only then that he had the strength to face all that he knew was coming. He would trace back his ability to take on this task, to, to carry this heavy weight because of that one moment when God spoke to him. I pray that you would seek out the voice of God this week. I pray that you would look outside and that you would just rejoice because God's voice is so evident. I pray that you would read the scriptures not as old stories but as like the living word of God. I pray that you would come to the church wanting a word from God. I pray that you'd spend time in prayer because God speaks to the heart. God doesn't even have to use word most of the times. He just goes straight to the heart. He doesn't beat around the bush. He just comes directly to us. God communicates to us spiritually when we pray And we just wait in silence. This week, listen for the voice of God. Listen because he wants to talk to you. Let's pray.
Father, we confess that we are so unworthy to even approach you in prayer. God, we begin in this moment by just confessing that it is only because of what Christ has done on the cross to make us right with you that you can even hear our prayers. Because God, our sin had broken our communication with you because you are holy and perfect and you must hear perfection. You only deserve to hear perfection. And yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to make us clean. And as Christians, God, we stand before you this morning and you hear us clearly and you respond to us clearly. God, I pray that as we enter a time of singing and communion, I pray that we'd hear your voice. I pray that it would not just be a ritual that we do weekly, but that it would be a moment every week where we can pray to you and hear your voice, that you would speak to us the ways in which we need to change our lives, the things that we need to give up, that we could hear your voice on the things that we're called to do and the the missions that you've given us to accomplish in this life. I pray that during this time we'd hear your voice when it's telling us the, the relationships that we need to reconcile. I pray that we would hear your voice when you're, you're just trying to encourage us to, to love you more. So God, would you speak to us during this time? Would you remind us how much you love us? Would you encourage our hearts as a church? Because God, we just confess, we want to hear your voice this morning. Speak to us this morning and throughout this week. We pray all these things in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.